Now sometimes when we listen to the news or maybe uh, hear reports from different parts of the world, especially reports of what Christians are going through in different parts of the world, we, we, we just sometimes wonder what is going on? What is happening? When we hear, uh, for example, that the, according to the latest Open Doors World Watch report, their World Watch report, they, they say that in the last year, over 260 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution. A lot of Christians are living where there are high levels of persecution. You can ask about what it means, what types of persecution there are. We read that all Christians, all who follow, will suffer persecution, but not all at the same level. Some, indeed millions, of our fellow Christians experiencing high levels, to the extent that they go on to say almost 3,000 Christians were killed for their faith. Over 9,000 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. 3,700 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And in Nigeria, specifically in the last year, about 1,000 Christians suffered death, died at the hands of terrorists in the past year. When you think it, Northern Ireland suffered uh, the troubles. I think it came to 3,000, was it 3,700 eventually? A terrible number for our small community. But that was spread over more than 30 years. This is in one year, a 1,000 losing their lives in Nigeria. And it's ongoing. It's ongoing. How do we react to those kind of things? When we hear, as I've heard in the last week, reports Luca Vandy, my colleague, some of you have met him, in the managing director of ACTS, carrying on the work in Nigeria, recently came back from a conference. He told how one pastor, there were 10 pastors actually, he said at the end, gave terrible reports of how they'd been attacked, that some had just narrowly escaped, some their churches were burned, some their houses were burned. In one case, the pastor suffered the loss of four children burnt alive in their home and he narrowly escaped. Maybe he was away from the home, I don't know the details. But what tragedies, what sad stories. And uh, just on Friday night, another attack through Luke of Andy again, the report came of uh, the town of Garkida, uh, which was a place that the gospel reached um, maybe almost 100 years ago. And it's been a center for the gospel, a Christian community, though in the northeast of Nigeria. And uh, just within ours, uh, churches were burned, large churches. A hospital was burned and destroyed. A school of nursing was burned. Houses, businesses were burned. Everyone ran away. Thankfully, there weren't reports of of. Um, injuries among the civilian population. The army eventually came in 
this is the usual story. The army arrived late to the scene and uh, apparently engaged some people and, and, and may have lost some people. But, uh, but still, what another, just ongoing stories like this. I wonder how you react to that. I wonder how you would react if you were there, or I wonder how you react even here. Some of us, I think, almost want to turn the news off. We don't want to hear bad news, bad reports, because it's so dark. It's hard to bear hearing such things. Others of us, if we're very honest, we have enough, kind of enough troubles of our own. Uh, my wife was talking about somebody being lost in their own world. You know, I don't know if you ever meet anybody like that. When you talk to them, all you hear about is all that's happening to them, all their troubles, and they don't remember to ask, how are you doing? It's just they're lost in their own world. Okay, they have their problems, but if we're lost in our own world, we, we're not connecting with the other world, other people's world. And that's not a good, good way to be, though sometimes it's understandable, of course, if we're being overwhelmed the Lord knows when we, we, we have just so much to cope with that we can't think of other people beyond ourselves. Uh, other times we listen to the story and we may think that sometimes that is the only thing that's happening and we become obsessed with the persecuted church and, and there are some agencies to me that over-sensationalize the whole thing that you would think just everywhere's on fire and there's genocide going on and Christians are just being killed left, right and center and there's nothing else happening but attacks on Christians, which is not true either. If we think back to our own troubles, some of you lived through them, uh, all, many of us, maybe not the young people here, but others, we lived through it, but it was terrible, but... Life went on, didn't it? Life went on, and we had to go about our daily work and our daily business, and the work of the church went on, and who knows, but more might have been accomplished for eternity in those years than is what is happening now when we have relative peace in our, in our province. So don't get it out of proportion, don't get it out of perspective. Others, we might think, oh, the government should do something. What is the Nigerian government doing? I often ask that question. Um, no easy answers. They're, they're careless. They're on the side of the terrorists sometimes, you think, um, and all kinds of problems in really addressing the problem. But then, is that the hope we have in our government or the Nigerian government? No, I don't think that's where the Lord would have us put our hope uh, we need to go back to the scriptures and ask how do Christians face persecution and how should we face persecution and react to word and news of persecution either around the world or even should it come closer to us. So the first thing I want us to grasp, um, it comes even in the very passage that we, that we read together earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where I've already quoted you verse 12. Indeed all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the first point I want to make is this that Christians expect or should expect persecution. Christians expect persecution. 
After all, the Lord Jesus himself, uh, you can read this in Matthew 10. I'll just give you a few verses. Matthew 10, Jesus is advising his disciples and he's warning them. He said, I'm sending you it as sheep among wolves. Well, you know that uh, that's, that's not going to end well, is it? Sheep among wolves. But that's it. Well, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. What are you going to expect? Trouble. He goes on to say, verse 21, Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. So he's telling them, expect trouble when you're persecuted. He doesn't say if. He's telling you, you will be persecuted. If it happens, get moving if you can escape. And uh, he goes on to say it's enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more will the members of his household? Whoever, you know, they, they, hated, they hated him, they, they will hate us. That's what he's saying. And of course, uh, as we go into the book of Acts, we go into the book of Acts and Paul, in fact, writing to Timothy in this very chapter, uh, reminds Timothy and his readers, uh, other readers, of his experiences. This is Paul writing maybe 20 years later uh, towards the end of his ministry, but he hasn't forgotten his first missionary journey. And he mentions some of the places that he visited. He said, he said, you have followed, he says, verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. He came out alive. Not all the Christians did come out alive. Remember Stephen, remember James. And there were many others that lost their lives. In fact, Paul had been a persecutor of the church himself and had a hand in all that. But when he was brought into the fold of the Christians by the grace of God and went out to serve, he suffered. He suffered greatly. One time, you remember in Lystra, he was left for dead. They stoned him. He was left for dead. And somehow God helped him. To escape. So Christians, he's saying to us, the scriptures are saying, Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, expect persecution. Christians, expect persecution. And so, we shouldn't be surprised when persecution happens to Christians in Nigeria or even here. I think it's beginning, it has begun, and is going to increase. And that would only be in line with what we should expect according to scripture. So Christians expect persecution. And secondly, Christians reach out to help those who are persecuted. Staying with Paul, who's telling us here about his memories of Antioch, Iconium and Lystra. The stories you can read in Acts 13 and 14. 
You read there, if you read on through, you find out that having narrowly escaped with his life in many cases and went on to other places, before he returns back to where he started, the Syrian Antioch, a different Antioch to this one, um, before he returns back, first of all, he and Barnabas went back to the very places they were persecuted. You say, that's madness. Why would they go back there? They wanted to help. They wanted to strengthen. Let me read Acts 14, 21 and 22. It says that they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch. The very places that they've just narrowly escaped with their lives. They returned. Why? Verse 22, Acts 14 strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom, they said. So again, reminding them, expect trouble. They say that's part of what they taught them. These are young Christians. They needed to be taught. They needed to be advised. It's not going to be easy to be a Christian. There's a cost. There's a challenge. There's opponents. There's enemies. Therefore, Be ready for hardship. Be ready for persecution. But by Paul actually going back there, he was reaching out to help those who were being persecuted and would be persecuted even after uh, in years to come. So there's a practical uh, risk. Paul is taking a risk here to go back. He's risking his life. He and Barnabas are risking their lives to go back to where they had been attacked and where they had to flee from persecution. So uh, that, that's a very encouraging thing, isn't it? That, uh, that Paul uh, would have that love for the disciples, the early Christians, the new converts, that he would so love them that he wanted to go and encourage them, wanted to go and strengthen them and keep them buoyed up and keep them taught, keep them not uh, thinking, what's happening to us? He said, no, this is the way it's meant to be. You will suffer hardship. Through many hardships we must enter the kingdom. And uh, stories, interesting stories, there's been quite a bit in the news recently about the, the Second World War and even the First World War. But the Second World War particularly a lot of Christians ended up in the concentration camps. You may remember the story of Corrie Ten Boom and uh, how her, the, the, the family, the Ten Boom family, had sheltered Jews and then themselves were taken into, into captivity. And uh, it's a great story, a great testimony of how God even helped them. Uh, one little thing, how God helped her. Uh, and another person in the concentration camp uh, helped her. She had a terrible cold and she did not have a handkerchief. I don't know if you've ever had a miserable cold and nothing at all to help you, even a tissue or a handkerchief. So she wanted, if I had a handkerchief, but no handkerchief in the concentration camp. The next day, somebody, she told her sister about this. The sister said, we'll pray about that. The next day, somebody walked up to her and said, I have something for you, Corrie Ten Boon. It's a handkerchief. She had made this handkerchief out of some scrap material or something she'd managed to get her hands on. And the Lord had told her, give it to Corrie Tempum. Isn't that amazing? 
how God would care. But the, the, Jew, the Dutch Christians, for years after, I remember meeting a Dutch Christian in America, and he said that for years they used to say to each other, see you in the concentration camp. When they would say goodbye to one another, they would say, see you in the concentration camp. What are they doing there? They're, they're encouraging each other not to, not to be surprised and not to be discouraged We'll meet up in the concentration camp. We're ready for trouble. We expect persecution. We reach out to those who are facing persecution. It's normal. It's the right thing to do. I mean, to, to respond. Uh, that's the next point I wanted to say, that Christians respond to persecution with courage and faith. They don't give up. They don't turn back. They don't compromise. They're ready to suffer. They respond with courage and faith. You can read in the book of Acts again, uh, not Paul this time, but but, uh, Peter and John. uh, They called the apostles in and had them flogged, we read read there. They called them in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin Rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. What courage. What courage. They were rejoicing. They weren't discouraged. They had been given the honor of suffering for Jesus. Well, I don't know if we would react like that. But by the grace of God, people do react um, because of faith. Faith not in what they could see, but in what they could not see. And who they could not see, that is the invisible God, the hand of the invisible sovereign God was on their lives. They trusted him. You can read this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 especially, the heroes of faith. The heroes of faith walked by faith, not by sight, but by faith. They didn't see everything. They didn't see all the answers. They didn't see everything going their way. It was hard, but by faith they trusted God. And they did great things for God because God was working out his purposes. This morning we were in our Stramillis congregation. We have started a series on, on Esther, the book of Esther. And what a great story, the book of Esther of Christians. I mean, Jewish, Old Testament Christians, Jewish believers were facing great dangers, even extermination, genocide. They had enemies. And Esther had to uh, face a very difficult situation. But the hand of God was working out his purposes through her life. And today, God is still working out his plans. And Christians are still responding to persecution with courage and faith. Let me give you two examples. You'll not be surprised that I show you this photograph again. I've showed it a couple of times here, I believe. Leah Shalabu. And a young girl of 14 years of age was taken captive. Uh, Open doors make the point that she was taken captive because she was a girl, because she was taken away along with her classmates from a girl's secondary school. All girls were taken away by terrorists. They don't believe these Islamic uh, extremists are against female education completely. In fact, they're against education in general, but especially girls. They don't think girls should be educated at all. So anyway, she and her classmates were taken away 
But then the classmates were returned. They were Muslims. But uh, Leah was not returned. Recently I got some more information about what happened. They, they packed so many girls into that lorry that uh, there, was, there was a truck, over a hundred girls were in that truck. Do you know that some of them died in the crush in that truck and were buried as they went along the road? And then they got to their destination and uh, one of the terrorists detected that, that maybe uh, the way Leah spoke the Hausa language was not, you know, maybe it wasn't her first language. And they started to ask questions. Is there somebody here who's not a Christian? He's a Christian. He's not a Muslim. And uh, the other girls said, no, no, we're all Muslims. But somehow it leaked out that there was a Christian there. I said, the, the, the terrorist said, we're going to kill all of you if you don't tell us who is the Muslim. The girl said, no, no, we're all Muslims. Trying to protect her. But uh, eventually she stood up and said, I am a Christian. Kill me, but don't kill my classmates. And uh, then the terrorist said to the classmate, you must convert her, you must persuade her to, to turn and be a Muslim. She said, I will not deny Jesus Christ. That's the testimony of the girls. They could not persuade her, even all her own classmates, never mind the fact that she was facing the, the barrel of a gun from the terrorists. And uh, she refused to compromise, she refused to deny Jesus. And that was two years ago, this month, Two years ago, she's still in captivity. Her mother came to London this week to try to raise awareness. And uh, the latest report about Leah is that she's been married off to a Boko Haram commander and she has a baby. That's the situation she's in. It's terrible. But she's not denying Jesus. And it's such an inspiration to the Christians, even in Nigeria and the Christians around the world, that a girl, a 14-year-old girl, now 15, maybe coming 16, uh, is, uh, is in such a situation, but we believe maintaining her faith in the Lord Jesus. That's just one example. There's another, just in the last few weeks, a pastor uh, was taken captive from his home, and uh, he was put on a video proof of life video while they were trying to get money to pay a ransom for his release. He came on the video and very courageously spoke and told his family not to be worried, to keep thanking God, keep trusting God and uh, then eventually uh, they tried to raise money, they did raise money, the, the terrorists eventually scorned what they were offering and they shot him. He was killed, his body was found. So this is the kind of thing that's happening. This is a senior pastor, Pastor Lawan, and we could remember his family as well. So these are the heroes who are standing firm, responding to persecution with courage and with faith. And it's, it's, a, great, it's a great thing that people are doing that, and it's an inspiration. And I believe that God is using those testimonies and others like them. And if we can go a little further about how do, we, how do Christians respond to faith, to, to persecution. Um, another point I would like to make is this, that Christians keep calm and carry on. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an expression we use, isn't it? Keep calm and carry on. But there's good, there's something, it comes from the wartime, doesn't it? I believe it came up in the wartime. Keep calm, carry on with the war effort. 
And uh, it was good advice. People shouldn't panic. People should carry on, keep calm and carry on. Carry on relying on the promises of Jesus, the promises of God. Remember how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he stood by them. Daniel in the lion's den. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, in this Second Timothy, if you read on into chapter 4, it says that everyone else had deserted him, but he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Second Timothy 4.17. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Carry on. Why do you carry on? Because of the Lord's presence and promises in the face of persecution. Uh, we're going to close shortly. I'm not quite ready to stop yet, so don't just jump up yet. Um, but at the close, we're going to sing the great hymn, In Christ Alone. And uh, I am very moved now to sing that hymn. It's funny how hymns get an association. I don't know whether you find that. Maybe it's a hymn that you sang at a funeral or at a wedding or what. That becomes a special hymn to you and reminds you of that event. Isn't that right? Uh, but I was in Joss and we sang this hymn in a church that was bombed on a Sunday morning. We were not there. We were back in, in fact, I remember we were in Scotland when the news came through. We were in deputation there. And uh, it was a shocking thing. On a Sunday morning service, a bomb, bomber entered the car park of the church and the bomb went off. Some people were killed, but others were spared. Uh, in fact, they were rejoicing that so few were killed. Not the intention of the, the bomber, to, whose intention was to kill more. Uh, it's a whole story of how that happened, but God was with them, and they came through that, and more people were in church the next Sunday, and they carried on. They were renovating the church at that time, and uh, then I was back there, and we sang this hymn, and the last verse says, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. You see, that's, uh, that's the hope we have. That's the, the confidence. We can keep calm and carry on, relying on Jesus and his presence with us, but also realizing there's work to do, remembering there's work to do in times of persecution. Because that's, that's one of the dangers. If we just panic or focus only on persecution, we'll forget that there's work to do. There's work to do. Um, Paul, again in 2 Timothy 3, directs Timothy uh, how to respond. The, the chapter is quite a difficult chapter in some ways, isn't it? It talks about all the, in the last days there will come times of difficulty and starts to describe what those times will be like. And they're very like our own times. And uh, then Paul talks about the persecution that's happened to him. But where, where does he direct Timothy? He says, but for you, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And then he starts to remind him of the scriptures that he has learned from childhood. The scriptures that he learned from his mother and his grandmother. How faithful, faithfully they had taught him, young Timothy. He says, continue in the scriptures. What are those scriptures able to do? They're able to, they're profitable. They're, they're true. They're God-breathed. 
They're profitable for correction, for reproof, correction, training in righteousness. That the man of God, that's the servant of God, the pastors, the leaders, the, 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 the missionaries, that they will be equipped for every good work. Earlier in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul has said to Timothy, the things you've heard from me, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hand it on, hand it on, carry on the good work, get the word of God out, teach it to the children, teach it to the adults, teach it to the pastors, teach it to anyone who can take it on to others. This is the ordinary work of the gospel, the strengthening of Christians in the word of God, building them up, enabling them to stand firm in the scriptures. And this is uh, something very precious uh, and encouraging to us. We don't have to focus all the time on, on the persecution and the terrible events that are coming. The ordinary work goes on. And the truth be told, even in Nigeria, that's 90% of what's happening. The, the, the persecution is there, but that's only 10% of the story. 90% of the story is the ordinary work of church services, training pastors, witnessing, going out with tracts, and so on. That work is going on. And uh, just, I mentioned earlier that Luca Vandi, my, my assistant and uh, successor in the work, doing a great job, he recently went back to the Northeast, dangerous journey, to this conference. Do you know how many pastors were there? 900 pastors. 900 pastors. Now out of the 900, at the end, he said those 10 pastors stood up and told sad stories. And he said, it was a solemn moment and we gathered around to pray for those 10 pastors. But that's 10 out of the 900. So it's not every pastor was, okay, I'm sure they were all tearful and sharing the burden and anxiety about their own situation because they're all overshadowed by it and threatened by it. But nevertheless, they're going on with the work. They're going on with the work. And Luca had carried not only himself and some uh, of our other acts workers, but a whole truck full of books and tracts and other literature. In fact, they gave one free book to every one of the 900 pastors, and they had other books left, the same title, for other pastors who couldn't come because of difficulty of being kind of cut off in, a, in the big city of Maiduguri, uh, where it's very difficult to even come out because of terrorism on the roads. So they will all get books. They have got the books, and they were rejoicing when they got the books. And he said there were many testimonies of the encouragement that the books that Acts has been supplying, the encouragement and the help that it's been to the pastors and to the training of pastors. They have a college there in that area carrying on the work. Some of my students are lecturing there, and that gives me joy. The ordinary work is going on. Keep calm and carry on the good work. So in conclusion, let me just say this. If you are a Christian, then you're able to answer the two big questions about person. Here's the two big questions. I don't know if you like the program Question Time on the radio or TV. <coughs> question Time. People, panelists are given tough questions by the public. I don't know if they get any warning about the, the questions. Um, 
they have to be ready to answer. And usually they know there's some current questions will likely be thrown at them. Here's two questions to think about and to ask yourself. Are you ready to follow Jesus no matter the cost? Are you ready? Have you decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. You know that old song? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one joined me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. That's the, that's the decision. That's the determination of a Christian that has given their life to Jesus and is ready to suffer. Ready to take whatever the cost whatever the mocking from family or workmates, whatever difficulties may come your way, are you ready to go with Jesus? There's a song that the Nigerians sing, I will go with Jesus anywhere, no matter the roughness of the road. There's a lot of rough roads in Nigeria. We have driven many of them. But uh, that's not the issue. It's the roughness of being a Christian. The cost, there's a cost involved. Are you ready to follow? Are you ready to go with Jesus? No matter what the road. Remember, uh, Moses had that choice. Would he stay in the comfort of the Pharaoh's palace or would he choose to suffer with the people of God? He made his choice and he had to even run for his life uh, because of that difficulties and uh, dangers that came to him but anyway he had made his choice and he continued and we have to make that choice someone has said that no one really knows why they're alive until they know what they would die for think about that do you know why you're alive tell me what you would die for what would you die for? Would you say, well, I would die for my wife or my husband or for my, ch my child? Yes, precious, precious. That's somebody precious to you. Would you die for the Lord Jesus? Some have to face that. Most of us don't have to face that question. We pray we don't ever have to face it in the extreme. But think about it. If we are willing to die for Jesus, then we should be willing to live for him. We should be willing to serve. We should be willing to do whatever he tells us to do. And so that is the, the, the second question that uh, uh, we ask this. Are you willing to make sacrifices for those who are suffering? Are you willing to stand uh, with the cause of Christ? You know, I was reading this past week. I don't know whether you've read the story of how the church the evangelical church started here in Crumlin. Have you read that story? You can read it in a book called, uh, I never can remember the title, In Honor and Dishonor, is that it? Um, by Ernest Brown. You may know the book. Have a look into that. Because one interesting story, uh, if you haven't heard, let me tell you. Um, the people who started the church here were serious Christians. So serious that they used to have all-night prayer meetings. All-night prayer meetings. We would complain if, you know, the Wednesday night prayer meeting went past maybe quarter past nine or whatever. You know what I mean? We were used to a certain amount of time and then our own time. They had all-night prayer meetings. And you know the funny thing that happened? I say it's funny. Looking back, it's funny. Maybe it wasn't at the time, but... 
They were in a hall or a room that was next door to a house. And uh, eventually the man next door started hammering the wall. <laughs> this was the persecution they suffered. Uh, but anyway, they didn't fall out with them. Eventually they decided to stop the prayer meetings at midnight. So that was the peace they made with the man next door. And he got asleep and they got home as well. But still they went on to midnight. They were serious Christians. Are we willing to suffer? To give up time? To give up what God has given us for the sake of God's work? God's cause? Sometimes I think we're not really serious. As we should be. When we think of what others are suffering. When we think of what the scriptures teach us. To expect persecution. To reach out to help those who are being persecuted. To respond with faith and courage. To keep calm and carry on. How do you carry on when you have no money, you have left everything, you've lost everything? Recently we've been able to help some pastors whose homes were burnt and their library as well. Some had collected books from Acts for years, lost everything. Those books were precious to them. We've been able to restore some such books, their pastors uh, give such pastors special grants of books. Children have lost parents recently through donations from Northern Ireland, we were able to send £10,000 worth of books for orphan children in camps who they've lost their parents. And they were getting help. They were getting even schooling. But they needed books, children's books, Bible story books. We were able to supply and Bibles as well. So we can do something. We can ask God, as I conclude, we can ask, what is it that you want me to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. If we love him, we will obey his commandments. If we love him, we love his people. And we want to be thinking about them, praying for them. And maybe he would call you to go or to give or to actually take time to pray when you hear news, bad news, turn it to prayer. Turn it to the sovereign God because he is able to do for his people what we cannot do. And then uh, they will be able to stand. And they are standing by God's grace.